Hello, everyone, and welcome back to One on One with the Canon Podcast Show, brought to you by WCANmedia.com, where tomorrow services are here today. On today's program, we have a special guest. Her name is Juanetto Romaine, and she will be talking about woman abuse. And how are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How about yourself? Excellent. And we're going to have a nice conversation about this because, if I may say, you were a victim of that, correct? I was a victim of domestic uh, violence, yes. Domestic violence. Well, we're going to talk about that and much more right here on One on One with the Canon Podcast Show right after this. Greetings. I'm Samuel Hampton II, producer at WCAN-TV. WCAN-TV is currently looking for quality programming for 30 to 60 minutes. If you have a message that you would like to share to the world, please contact me at 440-836-4591 or at tvwcan at yahoo.com. Thank you. Hello. My name is Shelly Mathis, and I am CEO and founder of Shelly Mathis Counseling Services. We specialize in mental health, trauma, and also substance abuse with an expertise in depression and anxiety for individuals, groups, couples, marriage and families, and also child and adolescents. If you're in need of assistance, give us a call at 330-577-8548. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joseph with Power to Become, an executive director with the John Maxwell team, bringing transformational training around the globe, making a difference when it makes a difference. We want to connect with you. Go to power2become.org or .com and connect with us now. Hi, my name is Dr. Marlene Carson, and I am a survivor of domestic minor sex trafficking. What is a survivor, you ask? Well, I survived sex trafficking as a child. I thrive in business and ministry, and I'm here to help you revive your dead dreams, visions, and purpose. If you would like to connect with a survivor community, please reach out to www.rahabshopeofohio.org. That website address again is www.rahabshopeofohio.org. Welcome back to one-on-one with the Canon Podcast Show. Let's talk about this sensitive subject, women abuse. Mm-hmm. Give me your description or definition of women abuse. Well, domestic violence or female abuse, uh, partner abuse, intimate abuse—they they all fall under that same um, entitlement. And it is violence within the home for the purpose of control or dominance. Okay, let's let's back up and let's analyze each of those denominators. The first one is what. It is uh, designed for purpose and control. Okay, let's talk about control. Well, okay. For instance, and I I can only give portions of my testimony. Um, I, at one point, was in a relationship where I was forbidden to leave the house. Why? Um, Because other people might see me, might notice me, might talk to me, might have a conversation with me that was not approved by my abuser. Okay, but did you go along with it or did you say, you know, something typical, you know, I'm grown, I can do what I want to do? Well, you do start out that way, but understand I had a prior um, experience that I did would not have categorized as uh, domestic violence and that I was abused as a child. Okay. Okay. So during that abuse, having been adopted um, by my stepfather, um, there was a great deal of psychological abuse mm-hmm. that teamed up with the physical abuse. So I had already been conditioned 
from a child to take commands from someone who um, asserted any asserted any type of aggressive behavior towards me. Okay, the relationship was what? Husband, boyfriend? It was a boyfriend at the okay. time. Okay. And I thought I was so in love. But what it was was I was actually in an environment that was familiar to me. And therefore, it was easy or easier for me to navigate through it. I was used to um, temper explosions. I was used to being belittled. Okay, I was, now a lot, of, a lot of big words there. This temper, what do you call that? Temper explosions. Okay, temper, that's that's when that? that's when someone is calm one minute, and and the we would call it almost like bipolarism. They're calm one minute, and then the next minute they're furious to the point of violence. So how? Or what was the outside stimulant or the catalyst that would cause this explosion? It could be anything. It could be everything. It could have been uh, for that relationship that I was in. It was. Life. Life. You know, he could have come, you know, could have had a bad day at work, could have came outside and saw that someone touched his car, you know, because he was very into his vehicle. So, but he would take it out on you, right? But he would take it out on me and anything that I would do. Now, he, this was, this person actually was more into psychological abuse. Okay. Okay. Whereas my stepfather was into both psychological and physical abuse. Okay. You know, we're going to talk about your stepfather also. Okay, but going back, retro back to the definitions you was about to read. Okay. Okay, you you mentioned, read a few more of those definitions. Let's talk about Well, Well, um, it is violent or aggressive behavior within the home, domestic okay. violences. It's typically involving the violent abuse of a spouse uh, or uh, of a spouse. Mm-hmm. It is um, a pattern Okay, so let's discuss. Let's discuss the pattern. One, two, three, four. That's a pattern. It's a pattern. So let's give an example of the pattern in relation to domestic abuse with women. Okay, well, um, a pattern can be something is expected of, say, the female. Because it's typically a female who is abused because she has the less physical power, though that can be reversed. There are women who do abuse as well. Um, But typically it is a female. And let's just take the example dinner. You know, because that's always a good one. Um, and if dinner is not when that that abuser expects it, if it's not what he expects, if it's not delivered in a way that's pleasant, anything in that whole scenario can actually uh, be a catalyst or a trigger for them. OK, so looking at dinner. So if you uh, prepare something that he wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. OK, so every day did you have to what you want to eat, what you want for dinner? Well, and that in itself can be a catalyst as well, because they might say something like, you decide. And then if you make the wrong decision, then that gives them the right. So did that happen to you? That has happened to me. Could yes. we possibly have a real scenario of what happened? Um, let's see. Um, I was cooking, uh, and it's been, you know, it's been several years ago. So I was cooking chicken, and he didn't want chicken. He wanted fish. Okay, did he tell me that he wanted fish? Did he? No, he did not. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of my game because I'm trying to make sure that we don't have that explosion. I've learned to try to circumvent and, and, and thwart that explosion. But here, you know, here he comes in and he's looking at the plate and he's seeing chicken. 
And, you know, with the chicken, you've got the potatoes and the green beans. And this young man was not from America. He was a West Indian. So he had an even more violent temper. And so then the argument begins. And so, I'm, you know, I've... I being that I suffered at the time, I didn't recognize it, but I suffered from PTSD. I'm trying to avoid that argumentative state. So now, you know, um, the the pushing, the shoving, all of that. So it was physical. It it got it got to the light level of what I would call the light level of physicality. Okay. Um, just that dude didn't want to go to jail. So okay. So. Did you call the police or anything like I that? I never called the police. I threatened to call the police. And what did? He, how did he react? He reacted. That was the only at first and last and only time I actually saw fear on his face. Okay. So he didn't want. He did not want. And neighbors, we were close enough to neighbors that they could hear um, if I screamed or if I called for help. And I think that's what kept it from going to the severe violence that a lot of women do suffer. Let me break in here. Why didn't you just simply walk away? That is the question that we all ask. Um, and it's a very, first of all, at that time, I didn't feel I had anywhere to go. Yeah, relatives, right? Um, I was in, I lived in Atlanta. I did have relatives, but we were on the outs. And that came again from that childhood because you feel disconnected. How about your mother? My mother would have, she would have came and got me. Okay. But then there's shame involved. So, uh and our field is called pride, isn't it? It is. It is called pride. But at that time, because you don't want people to know that, first of all, that you've been taking this abuse. Right. Um, you don't want people to know, especially people who know a little bit of your background. You don't want to expose yourself to the criticism. So how long was this? This this particular this, this particular relationship was about two years. So you went two years with physical, psychological, mm -hmm. physical abuse. I did. I did. Okay. I now, did. Uh, what diffused the dinner situation? How did it calm down? Um, unt uh, well, you know, he cussed me out. He called me names. He made these threats. I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm crying uh, because I'm distressed. I don't know how. Uh, and it, it basically diffused itself. And at that time, there was a lot of there was drugs involved. And so for him, um, if he got a joint or if he did a little crack, then that would kind of divert him from me. But at the same time, but that was that kind of that would kind of escalate it too, right? The crack would escalate yeah. it. The the marijuana would deescalate it. Okay. So I'm like here. <laughs> okay. So you know, let me break in here. So. I'm going to continue with this, but let's retro back a little further, a little further into the timeline. Okay. When you first met him, you didn't see any of these signals? <laughs> when I first met him, he was the most charming individual that I had ever met. And he seemed very honest and forthright. And and me being having grown up in, quote unquote, the church, my mother being sanctified and all of that, he started he knew the church lingo. OK. OK. So that was a familiar uh, language. And he made the promises that I wanted to hear. I read my Bible every day. I pray, you know. And you fell for that? I did. L hook, line and sinker. I did because it's what I wanted oh, to okay. hear. Now, you have any children? I, want I had two children. My, my children at the time were with my mother here in Ohio. But they weren't with you. They were not with me at okay. the time. OK. OK. Thank God. OK. Um, and just to even give more of a background, I left one uh, um, abusive situation and stepped right into another one. 
Okay, so, so I really believe now, you know. It's a pattern. Yeah, but these signals should be there coming out of one to another. Be, but not everybody comes at you the same way. See, that's what I want the people to hear. Every, uh, you know, people, uh, abusers tend to be able to read body language. They read your signals. They listen to your language. And as females, we give up too much information too quickly. Okay. OK, we you know, you meet somebody, you go out on a date and immediately you start thinking of the future. And so you start telling people what telling this individual that you haven't read com completely. You tell him your dreams and your visions and they feed off of that. And so you feel it. Yes. And they manipulate it. And all of a sudden you are literally fighting against the words that you gave them. OK, let's get back to the dinner. Okay. It's de-escalated through outside stimulus, like crack, cocaine, a little weed. Yes. So it kind of interrupts your thought. Yeah, it kind of interrupts, yes. Okay, so now after it's diffused, what happens then? Well, then you're still walking on eggshells. Because even though that particular instance has been diffused, anything else can cause another blow-up. How about the, oh, I'm sorry, honey, sweetheart, I didn't mean to do that. I wasn't in my right mind. Did you get that every single time? Um, not every time. Okay. A lot of times the abuser will blame you okay. um, for their response. So now— uh, If you had cooked the food that I wanted, then I would not have—if you had did this— you know, so those who are listening to this, so you see that uh, you can never do right. You, you can never, ever do right. Okay. Everything you do is wrong. And that's the psychology behind it. OK. OK. Let's go through this list, this, this, this category listing again. You had you named this, you know, several definitions of women being abused. Well, there's there's pushing, there's restraining, there's slapping. OK. Or, slapping. That's physically harming a person. That's physically. That's assault. You, it is assault so, and it is illegal. OK. So why don't women just uh, call the police and get them arrested. Depending upon the relationship, and there is a, there are there are levels of it. Most women think the first thing they think is, he really does love me, and he didn't mean it. So we begin to to nurture. So let's put it in street lingo. Psych yourself out. You psych yourself out, and you think that it won't happen again. In the beginning, you really do think that it won't happen again. So what if it happens two or three times after that? Well, then you begin to make that's when you begin to make the excuses. That's when you begin to overlook. That's when you th and you think it'll get better. And then as you know, six months later, when it hasn't gotten better, but that it has actually gotten worse. That's when the shame sets in, because why did I stay this long? OK, so did you communicate with your friends outside of the relationship. Not about that. Because the shame is involved. So that's you don't tell people that you're being abused. You say that he's being difficult. Or, you know, uh, talking in our language. Well, is, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute now, on, on that. Isn't that kind of a signal right there? Uh, well, he's being a little difficult. That's the same thing as abuse. I mean, I was difficult. Well, I wouldn't I would have just automatically assumed that, hey, you're in an abusive situation when you say that. Most people know when you're talking What's, with your girls... You know, okay, let me give you another example. There was a time when, because, again, I was almost totally isolated. And, and uh, how old were you first, if I may ask? Uh, let's see. I want to say I was in my 30s, maybe okay. my, my late, th my mid to the late 30s. Okay. So I was old enough to know better, um, but I was seeking a better life when I moved down to Atlanta. And, and that's what kind of cut me off and isolated me from uh, my support system. 
And so I made friends. I make friends relatively easily on the surface, but I don't necessarily connect to people because of my past. But in this particular incidence, I had wore, I worked in a warehouse and I had wore all black to this um, uh, black shorts, black T-shirt. And I was feeling, you know, decent. And this girl there let me borrow, borrow one of her necklaces. She's that's back in the time when, you know, women wore five, six, seven, eight, ten necklaces at a time. And so I wore it and I forgot to give it back to her and got home. And that man thought that I had got, he snatched it and broke it. Now I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? How do I tell her? Because I can't tell her that he broke it, even though that would have been the truth. I can't tell her that he was so jealous or angry or whatever his issue was. I have to now cover and say, you know, because uh, it's covering them at all. It's covering them at all costs. Was she married? She was married. Okay. I mean, why didn't you just tell her what's going on? Can I have a couple of days with you? I got to get out of here, get back to Wooster. I don't know. I can't even answer why I didn't know her well enough to trust her with that information because it takes a lot. First of all, when you're in an abusive situation, your trust is being broken every single day. Your trust is be- and they're not just, you know, hitting or punching or whatever. They're also telling you that they're the only one that really cares about you. It's Did psychological. It- you don't you know, you know that there's something wrong. You know that 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 care that they But did he work? Oh, every day. That was your chance out there, wasn't it? It was. It, but And I we worked in the same place for a while. Um, and it would have been my chance had I had the courage to make a run for it. Um, to get and, and eventually, that's how I got out of the situation. And, you know. How? What, what happened? Let's, let's go fast forward now. How did you get out of that? Um, I had gotten hurt at my job. And so I was working, getting workman's comp. And, and I was at home. And understand, my fear had developed to a degree where I was housebound at the time. So I was injured and housebound. But I wanted out to a degree that I'm like, Lord, you got to help me. And there was a bootlegger uh, around the corner. And my little, my little disability check came in the mail. And I'm trying to get to a ca- check cashing place. But I, can, but I thought you weren't allowed to leave the I house. I was not allowed so to leave the house. So you snuck out of the house. So I basically snuck out of okay. the house and got, to, and I was, but I couldn't because I'm injured as well. And this bootlegger came around, nice guy, came around. He's like, let me give you a ride. And I was like, okay, because now I'm breaking all the rules because I'm talking to people. I'm out of the house and I'm going somewhere that has not been pre-approved. I get down, I cash my check. This bootlegger brought me back home. When he brought me back home, I threw what I, because I was like, can I get a ride to the Greyhound station? Yes, that's all I needed. I did not, I grabbed what I could carry. But he was at work. But he was at work. Boy, what a shock. It was. Go ahead. (laughs) And, and, And because I was making a run back to Ohio. I was in Atlanta and I was making a run back to Ohio. I didn't want to go to my mother's house because my mother had, he had threatened my mother. He had threatened my children. Well, that's that's you, that person can be arrested. You know that he could be, but at the time you, you recognize 
that it's wrong, but you feel powerless to change it. Okay. Because abuse steals your power. It steals your self-esteem. It steals your hopes and your dreams. And so when I made my break, I didn't want to go to my mom's house. I wanted to go someplace where I didn't think he would find me. So I went somewhere else. And In Ohio? In Ohio. Okay. I got on the bus. I'm like, I was on the bus scared the whole time. I mean, you're on the bus. You're heading north. So why would yeah. you be afraid? I mean, you're because on the way you, out. Because they tell you things like, I will find you. You know, and when they have exerted that much power psychologically over you, you do believe that they will. He couldn't find you in Ohio. He couldn't find me. But at that time, you thought he could. I thought he could. OK, so here you go. Here, here we are now. We're on the bus. OK, mm-hmm. now it had to be a moment where you did this. <sighs> I didn't see our rest. Finally, I didn't do that. Until you didn't I do that all the way to Ohio and got to my destination. And then here's the thing. I grieved that relationship. Okay. Now, wait a minute. On the way to Ohio, heading north, mm-hmm. did your phone ring? My fo- I didn't have a phone okay. at the time. So he couldn't even contact no. you? No. Okay. No. Um, and the way he, he did later contact me. How? Through my mom, because I had called my mom from time to time, and he had went through our phone bills, I guess, I don't know, and called her. And her not being aware of what I was running from gave him the number. And so he called me at the house that I was staying at at that time. And what did you say? You should have, I mean, hawked up. Oh, by that time. Oh, you should have hawked up. Oh, by that time. You know, I had, I've had i had a little bit to grieve it and get over it. And I'm like, and I know you can't reach me. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I think. Oh, so you started talking. I started talking. You were barking. <laughs> I was. because. So he, hang on. So this is great. So what did you say to him? I want, I want our audience to know what you said. I mean, you're in a secure environment. Okay. You're no longer under his mm-hmm. regime threat Mm -hmm. so the he she came out right it did and at first initially he tried to trick me into coming back because they want you back because they like that power Mm -hmm. and so he tried to trick me into coming back and my response was you're a liar and he was like what I was like, you're a liar. That's all you ever do. And I just went. Okay. And I was like, and I would never come back. And he's like, oh, come on. I wasn't that bad. And then I hit again. I was like, that bad, that bad. You were worse than that. You are a horrible person. Blah, blah, blah. And I and I said exactly what I needed to say. So how long was the conversation? It was very short conversation. Okay. All right. It was. Okay. It was. I would give it maybe maybe four minutes, four minutes. But, you know, he said hello. He made he gave me his little sales pitch. And I told him exactly what I thought of him, and then I hung up on him, and I never heard from him. And that's it. So you don't know where this guy is to this day? To this day. If somebody hasn't taken him out, um, I have no Possibility, huh? Because it's lifestyle. It's lifestyle. Yeah. Okay, so that was the first abuse, right? That was was the first—that was the second— uh, relationship abuse okay. that I endured. So the first one was what? The first one, I was in, it was a younger man. Let me say it like this. I have never had a successful relationship. Okay. And the reason I can say that is I, I choose or at the time, when I was younger, I, I tended to gravitate towards men who would treat me in a way that I was familiar with being being treated. And so the reason, and I, the reason that I would gravitate towards them is because it was a certain comfort in that. It was a certain familiarity. So, you know, the, the relationship that I got in before this one in Atlanta, this young man, um, he was abusive because he was, a, he was an alcoholic. Okay, so you didn't know that when you met him? I, I knew that he drank. I did not know not that he was not like that. 
and where my mindset was at the time, I would take a sip here and there, you know, and we, you know, I was in that party lifestyle. So it, it was okay that he drank some, not realizing that he didn't drink some. He, he, he was sober some. He wasn't drinking some. So, you know, that one right there, that he never hit me, but it was psychological. You need me. And then when I realized um, I and my kids were with me at that time and I'm like uh, and and that's what prompted me to come out of that one relatively quickly because I saw that disrespect for me transcending over into my towards my children. How old were your children? Um, My children at the time, I want to say that they were maybe eight and ten at the time, maybe a little bit younger, but. Having been an abused child, the one thing I promised myself is that I would never allow anyone to do it to my kids. Okay. So when I saw that, I immediately removed my children from the home voluntarily and put them with my mom. And she kept them for um, almost a year. And, And then I moved them to their dad because I had to recognize that I need help. And I, I, and I was not, in my opinion, I was not safe place for my own children. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I have all these enlightenments and then jumped right into another abusive relationship, which, thank God, my kids were not with me at the time. Okay. So let me ask this question. How long were you with him in that relationship? That first relationship? Yeah. Not even six or seven months. Oh, wasn't that? That one? was, yeah, that one right there. I, I wasn't afraid of him. Oh, you weren't. I was not him. I was not afraid of that second one. I was terrified of that one. So, what was your escape route out of the first one? Um, I basically put him out. I oh, like, you put him yeah, out. I put him. It was my house. I put him out. Oh, I was like, you have to go. No problems. No problems whatsoever. And, but and at, at the same time, because I put him, I got rid of him, and I was like, I'm going to make a better life for me and my kids. So I got on, the, you know, got on the uh, bus and or no, I drove my car down to Atlanta. And then within a couple of months, jumped into another relationship that was more abusive than the previous one. Okay. And if you're not afraid of someone, you have a tendency to be able to stand up. But when I met that, this is the only male that I can honestly say that I was ever afraid of. But I was terrified of him. But you endured. But I endured. And a part of what caused me to endure was that fear. Because you don't fight the fear. The fear seems logical at the time. You don't understand that you're being uh, dominated. Uh, you're being manipulated and you're being controlled. You know that uh, all of this, all of this, be- there are certain behaviors that are expected of you and you try to succumb and do- and provide that. So what you're saying, self-preservation, the uh- the mechanism turns off for yourself. It turns off or it intensifies. I'm not well, sure which one because you again, you're in this relationship, you know that it, you know something's wrong. You know that this is not how you like being treated. But, you're crying every day. Yeah, but if that is the case, emotions are being displayed, you should be able to examine yourself mentally and say, "No, why?" You but understand you're also dealing you're dealing with their mental health dysfunction. You're dealing with their mental health dysfunction and you're dealing with your own mental health. dysfunction. Okay, so you got two fashions on. You do. And you're not comprehending. You might comprehend that he has a dysfunction. But what your dysfunction is may dysfunction is may not register to you at that time. 
let's let's go back to the second relationship. You spoke about uh, the the variable of physical abuse. Okay. Now, okay. Did he hit you? Um, he never hit. He shoved me. The second one. The second one. He never hit me with a fist with a right. fist or open hand. Uh, he never slapped you. He slapped me once or twice. Okay, so let's talk about the slap. The slap is what caused me to go into total submission because, uh, again, I had been abused as a child. So the the avoidance of pain became my self-preservation. Or it could have been reversed, and, again, you could have hawked up and said, wow, and it took a frying pan. Uh, or that's so, what some I of them react like that. Done. Some yeah. people do, and I would, you know, looking back, I would say I, I should have fought back. Okay, so when he slapped you, what was your response? I began to scream. And because, like I said, we had neighbors. And? and those neighbors could hear that. And that's when I saw him back up. So I, the only weapon that I had was his fear of going to so jail. So you used his fear against him. I did. I Excellent. did. That's very— And it was the tough. only way that's at smart. that time. Right. And it was also when I began to, you know, pray, I got to get out of here. Okay, so— once he slapped you and he realized what he what he did and you screamed, he probably knew the neighbors heard this. Yes. Yes. When the he, smoke cleared, I like to know the mental state he was in. What do you expect that what did you expect after that? I expected that, you know, we would go somewhere, he would take, you know, take me somewhere and do all the things that he threatened to do, which what he threatened me with every single day is well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna cut you up, and I'm gonna put your part uh, parts of your body all over Atlanta okay. and they will never find all. So he threatened you with death. Every day. Every, every day. single day. And you believed him. I did. Wow. I did. So you, I, wholeheartedly. Because, listen, when you're looking into the eyes of someone and their eyes tell you that that person is telling you the absolute truth. And I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that what he was saying to me in those threats, he fully intended to do that. Okay. And— that was a part of my terror of him because I knew he fully if I had not gotten out when I got got out, I would be dead. I would be because he fully, he, you know, you you speak a thing into existence and right. saying that every day for a year, year, two years. That was his intention. OK, you know what? The old clock on the wall said that's, that's all. all. So uh, I want you to talk to the people just briefly for those women out there who listen to this podcast. What? advice could you give them? Believe them when they tell you who they are the first time. Don't let that conversation of violence continue. If they hit you, they're going to hit you again. If they push you, they're going to push you again. And it's going to escalate. While you have any kind of support system, take advantage of it and get out. Because if they loved you, love doesn't hurt you. Run. Do not walk to the oh. nearest exit. Okay. Listen now, for those living in the Tri-County areas of Summit, Cuyahoga County, and Lorraine County, and you have a story of domestic abuse, being a woman, please contact me at canonpodcast at yahoo.com, and we would like to put you on the program and bring back Juanetta, who is an expert in this, <laughs> and she can help you out. Again, that's canonpodcast at yahoo.com. Until next time, take care of yourselves and God bless.